I was at my parents' house a week or so ago and was standing on their back deck looking down. Their, their back deck looks out over uh, their property. They've got two and a half acres, but the first acre of it is, is tended. They, they keep that. The back of it is wild, but that first acre is they've got uh, lawn and things. And so I was standing up there looking at the, the hill that sloped away and looking at the lawn and where the fence used to be and was thinking about the time that my dad and my brother and I were putting in that fence. And now they've taken it down so that the yard spills into the, what was the pasture and is now the yard. And I was looking at, at the lawn and going, how many times did I ride the lawnmower the riding lawnmower, and, and mow this lawn that now looks so good because my mom had just done that. She had just mowed the lawn, and it was looking all green, and I could remember we had put in the trench. Uh, my dad, when I was a teenager, let me use the, the ditch witch, that, that trencher, to uh, lay the pipe, and so I had spent an afternoon doing that and was looking and just going, isn't this cool? Doesn't this look great? And, and just admiring the lilac bushes that we had planted and all the things, and then the things that my parents have done since I moved out that just make it look like a really wonderful place to be. And I, I, the reason that I tell you that is because this morning, that's what Psalm 92 is. That's what Psalm 92 is. Psalm 92 is that sense of I'm looking and I'm just rejoicing and appreciating in work that has already been done. In fact, the title for this psalm, in, if you look at Psalm 92, before you even get to verse 1, there is a title there in the Hebrew, and it says, A Psalm, A Song for the Sabbath. This is a song for the Sabbath. Now, what's What's the Sabbath? Before we get into the psalm, let's get the context right and say, what is the Sabbath? God, in the beginning, created the heavens and the earth, and he did all of that in six days, and on the seventh day, he rested from his work. That was the Sabbath day. That was the Sabbath day. On that seventh day, he rested from his work, and he said, this is good. In fact, this is very good. So he had created people to live in this garden, in this world that he had made. And I just, I picture it like my parents' backyard, except even more beautiful, more lush, more vibrant, more wonderful. And this kind of a a beautiful garden that then Adam and Eve were, these people were created in God's image to be in that place. And he said, now for six days you'll work, but on the seventh day you will rest you will rest because I rested. And so they were there to tend that garden, do that work, to participate with God in his creative work. He had already created it, but they were now going to tend this creation that he had made. But every seventh day, they would rest and just say, you know what, we are done with working for this week and look at what has been done. Look at what has been done. And especially to just rest in the work that God had already done. That's what the Sabbath is for. God, in fact, has regularly reaffirmed that we are to take a Sabbath rest, that we are to uh, periodically stop and reflect on what he has done. So we have moved this to the first day of the week because, and we'll get to there in a little bit, the greatest work that God has done is in Jesus and is in in his resurrection from the dead. And so we have moved our uh, celebration to Sundays, but 
we still celebrate the work that God has done. We still uh, have a rhythm, a routine, where we stop from the work and say, okay, now is the time for rest. Not just because our bodies need rest, we can't just work 24-7, we need that rest, but because we should reflect on the work that God has done and not think that we must continue to do the work ourselves. Can you imagine if Adam and Eve working in the garden and building this garden, tending this garden, and going, I'm sorry, God, we just can't stop. I mean, if we stop, this, this place would be a mess. And God would say, what are you talking about? I have, I have created you to participate with me in my creation, to, to uh, rule over this creation and care for it, but you don't think, do you, that if you were to let it go, that I would be somehow uninvolved, that it would somehow be out of my control, that it would somehow be all messed up. No, I have made it beautiful, and so you should stop and you should rest with me. And so in the same way, we have to stop and rest. And I'm terrible at that. For some reason, I feel like the work needs to keep happening. The work keeps needing to be done. And so I look at all the projects that I have around the house and how I'm getting further and further and further behind on those projects. And I'm going, this stuff has to be done. And God is saying, time out. What is the most important work? I have already done the most important work. And so, Travis, you can just take a time out. Just chill. And reflect on the work that I have done so that you stop stressing about the work that you feel you need to do. So that's what this psalm is this morning. This psalm, this song for the Sabbath is to help us to find that place, right? Because maybe you are like me and you don't go to that place automatically. You have the things that are on your to-do list or the things that are weighing on your mind, hanging over your head, however you want to describe that, and you feel stressed. And so this psalm is to help people like you and me to find a place of rest in God. We've are, it's, this uh, psalm is so good, we've already heard parts of this twice. We read it at the very beginning of the service, and then Georgianne was nice enough to, to read the whole psalm for us. And so let's look now at Psalm 92, starting in verse 1. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by, light, by night. To the music of the lute and the harp, to the melody of the lyre. For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work. At the works of your hands I sing for joy. It is good. It's good. It's good to give thanks to the Lord. Say, thank you, Lord, for all that you have done. It is good to reflect on the things that God has done for us and how thankful we are for his good gifts to us. It is good to sing praises to his name. And listen to this. In verse 2, it says, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night. Did you know that God loves you? 
that he has loved you since before the beginning of the world, and he has been faithful to his people for all of eternity and will continue to be faithful for all of eternity. From the beginning to the end, God loves you and is faithful. And so, he says, it is good for us to, in the morning, sing of his steadfast love, and in the evening, in the night, to sing of his faithfulness. When should we sing? I know that we have a 10 o'clock worship service here. That's a very convenient time. It means that you can sleep in a little bit on Sunday mornings, then you can come here, worship God, and still get home for lunch in the rest of your day, right? But the psalmist says, it is good to sing in the morning and in the night and everything in between. It's good to stop and reflect and sing praises to God at any time, day or night. There will never be a time when you go, you know what, I think we should stop and and sing praises to God and people will go, that's a terrible idea. It's not the right time. Tuesday afternoon at 3 o'clock. Hey, we should stop and sing some praises to God. You know, it's not Sunday at 10, so no. I don't think God would like that. No, it is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to His name, the Most High God, to declare His steadfast love in the morning and His faithfulness at night to the music of the lute and the harp and to the melody of the lyre, to use all kinds of musical instruments to make it even more fun and more beautiful. It's good to do that. I hope that you enjoy doing that. I, I have talked with people that they said, you know what we would like to do? We'd like to have a little less of the singing stuff because I don't really, I'm not, don't have a good voice and I don't really enjoy that. Could we just have a little bit more of the preaching, a little less of the singing? Could we just actually just truncate the whole service a little bit and then I can get home just a little bit earlier? No, it is good to sing. I hope that you love to come and sing with people. It doesn't matter if you don't have a great voice. If you do have a great voice, thank you, and please sing out loud. But if you don't have a good voice, please come and sing out loud anyway, because it is good for us to sing together. I don't have a great voice. That's why I sit up in the front, so that I'm not singing behind you. I mute my mic. I don't even trust the guys back there enough to let them mute my mic. I mute it myself. But I want for God to hear me. I want for God to hear me, and so I am singing out loud. I'm just not mic'd. It is good for us to sing. For you, O Lord, verse 4, have made me glad by your work. At the works of your hands, I sing for joy. At the works of your hands, O Lord, I sing for joy. Have you just stopped and paused and admired the works of God? Just stopped and admired the works of God. Maybe you're an early morning person and sometimes you get up and you take a look and you see the sunrise and you just think, isn't God good? Isn't God good? Maybe you're not a morning person and so you go out in the evening and you watch the sunset and you just, isn't God good? You go out and stand at the beach and you watch the ocean and you watch the waves come in and just feel the sun 
shining down on you and think, isn't God good? Or you go for a hike up in the mountains and you look at the view, you've, you've got, climbed up high on, a, on some hill or some, some view and you just look out at all around and say, isn't God good? Isn't God good? I, I like to share work that I have done. In fact, uh, my, my brother and sister and, and parents, we were all on a video chat together. And what, what we have been doing lately is just sharing our projects. Hey, I want to give you an update on my project. My brother's rebuilding his deck right now. And so he keeps giving us updates about how uh, he had to dig for the new footings for his new deck and how the, the soil where he lives is very, very rocky. And so he basically had to dig those holes with a crowbar because he's just picking rocks out the whole time. And so then I sent a video about how I was uh, fixing my sprinkler system and I, I dug in a really nice Wilsonville dirt about 10 inches deep and about 15 inches wide. And uh, I had to also dig a hole and he didn't appreciate that, but but he, he shares about how he's rebuilding his deck. My mom shares about how she's uh, restaining and sealing her deck. My sister uh, shared about how she was uh, doing some electrical work to install a new air conditioner in her bedroom. And I uh, shared yesterday that I was moving a couple of light switches because I didn't like where they were, and so I was moving those and doing a little bit of drywall work and electrical work. And we just share those because we want to share about the things that are important and the things that we are accomplishing in our lives. And then afterwards so that we can celebrate and say, hey, look it, this project is done. Isn't it beautiful when it's all done? And when we gather together on Sunday mornings, we are just celebrating together. Look at the work that God has done. Isn't it wonderful, the work that God has done? Isn't God amazing in his creativity? Maybe some of you love to study science and you just look at the ways that the human body works. Or you look at the way uh, that animals interact in nature and the, the different types of animals that there are in nature. I, I uh, as a kid, love to study that stuff. I love to watch the National Geographics and, and all those kinds of things. And um, do you know that we know more now than I did when I was a kid? I thought I knew all the animals. I knew all the animals. And I am finding that as I'm watching nature shows and things with my kids, there are animals I did not know existed. There are creatures on the earth. I'm not even talking about deep in the sea. There are many weird and crazy creatures deep in the sea that I had no idea existed, but there are creatures on the earth and in the jungles and things that I did not know existed. I thought I knew them all. Isn't that ridiculous? Some of you are going, you thought you knew them all? As a kid, I did. I, I was reading all encyclopedias back when they were like books and you were looking through encyclopedias. I, I was doing all of those things to learn about all of these different animals and I thought I knew about all the animals on all the continents. Not even close. Not even close because our God is so amazing and has created such an amazing world that you just start looking, about, looking at these things and learning about these things and think, this is incredible. This is absolutely incredible. God is amazing, amazing, and so good. 
How great are your works, O Lord, it says in verse 5. Your thoughts are very deep. Your thoughts are very deep. The wisdom of God. I can't, I can't describe or explain the wisdom of God. Because there are things that I look at and I go, that is not how I would do things. That does not seem like a good thing to do. And then every once in a while, God peels back the curtain just a little bit and goes, oh, but look at what I'm doing in the hole. Oh. Okay. Have you ever heard somebody play a chord on a piano and you go, ooh, that is not good. Please don't play those notes together. And then they play the whole song, and they throw that chord in, and you're like, oh, that's great. If you take that chord out of context, you look at it and go, that is not good. I don't know why anybody would ever put those notes together. But then in the context of the, the whole song, it makes sense. And I feel like that's how God's wisdom is. It is so deep, it is so wide, it is so rich that I can't understand what he's doing. And sometimes I get a picture of it or sometimes I'm reading in scripture to begin to understand just a little bit of God's mind and how it works. And I go, oh, that's how that worked? That's amazing. That's amazing. You brought in a wicked nation that was doing all kinds of terrible and evil things to judge your own people so that they were starving and famine and then hauled off into captivity? This does not seem like a good idea. And then he peels back the curtain. Oh, in context, oh. I guess that does highlight your justice. I guess it does highlight your holiness. I guess it does highlight your compassion and your mercy and your faithfulness, even despite your people's disobedience. God, I put my hand over my mouth because your wisdom is too deep for me. Your wisdom is too deep for me. I can't, I can't follow. I can't understand it. In fact, it says in verse 6, the stupid man can't know this. The fool cannot understand this. What can they not understand? That though the wicked sprout like grass and all evildoers flourish, they are doomed to destruction forever. You see, when we take our eyes off of the good things that God has done, his great creative work and his ruling over all of his creation, when we get our eyes off of that, what we instead focus on is the things that we are doing. And those just don't last. They're just not that important. When we get our eyes onto the things that we are doing, they just don't last that long. So when I go to my parents' house, it wasn't that long ago we were putting in that fence. It's not there anymore. It's not there anymore. That was a lot of work to put in that fence. Dad, you took out the fence. Yeah, we don't have dogs anymore. I don't need a, a fence back there anymore. And doesn't it look much nicer without it? Doesn't it just flow? Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot better without it. But my works don't last. So I get all stressed out about doing these works that just are not going to last for that long. 
in the grand scheme of things, are not usually that important. He says, the stupid man can't know this, the fool can't understand it, that the wicked sprout like grass and all evildoers flourish and they are doomed to destruction forever. You know, sometimes I think about the wisdom of God and go, God, um, I know you're like all wise and all knowing and all that, but I just want to point out there's a lot of wicked people getting away with an awful lot of stuff. And I just think that you should just judge them like now. Just take care of it right now, God, because look at this wickedness that's happening. Look at all these evil people that seem to be thriving and flourishing. And it says that though the wicked sprout like grass, all evildoers flourish, they are doomed to destruction forever. And I, I said that I had to do a little bit of digging to fix my sprinkler system in my yard. I just have a little tiny yard with a little tiny sprinkler system. And I wasn't that worried about it because uh, if you remember, we had a very wet February and a very wet March and a very wet April and a very wet May and a very wet June. And so the fact that my sprinkler system was not working did not bother me in the least. Because my grass was already this high. It was up to my knees. And I kept trying to mow it and keep it down, but we were getting so much rain that I could not keep my grass under control. It was flourishing beyond what I wanted my lawn to flourish. And then we got four days of heat brown. And I needed to get that sprinkler fixed like now because this grass that seemed to have been flourishing so quickly, so well, over much, is now dying for lack of water. Four days of heat undid four months of rain. That's the picture that he gives us here. Though the wicked sprout like grass and all evildoers flourish, they are doomed to destruction forever. Quick up, quick down. It happens quick. And so our, our flourishing then needs to be in the rest and celebration of what God has done rather than in our own works. Because when we celebrate only our own works, we may flourish for a time, but our destruction is going to come in the end. And it just won't last that long. And so we want to celebrate, instead of our works, the works that God is doing. And in fact, that is what uh, the scriptures tell us throughout. Here's, here's uh, 2 Peter chapter 4. Uh, it's a little bit long, but I just want you to listen. 2 Peter 2, uh, starting in verse 4. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment. If he did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a herald of righteousness, with seven others, when he brought the flood upon the world of the ungodly. If by turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes, he condemned them to extinction, making them an example of what was going to happen to the ungodly. 
and he rescued righteous Lot, greatly distressed by the sensual conduct of the wicked. For as that righteous man lived among them day after day, he was tormented, his, his righteous soul over their lawless deeds that he saw and heard. Then the Lord also knows how to rescue the godly from trials and how to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment, and especially those who indulge in the lust of defiling passion and despise authority. So what Peter is doing is he's rehearsing for us what we should be rehearsing for ourselves, which is that God is faithful. He has a steadfast, faithful love for his people, and his work is to create a, this beautiful creation that we live in and then sustain his people and carry them through, while at the same time bringing judgment and destruction on the wicked. Isn't that amazing? So that as he rehearses this, he says, so you might remember the story of Noah where God was bringing his judgment on the wicked because we know that that judgment is coming for the wicked, but at the same time, he sustains Noah and he carries him through. And in the same way, Sodom and Gomorrah serve as an example of God's destruction on the wicked while at the same time, he delivers Lot and carries him through. And you may remember this same story about uh, God taking his people out of Egypt and out of slavery and bringing them into the land while destroying those who were evil and wicked, right? And he brings them into this land that he has provided for them because this is the work that God does. And what we then are to do is to just stop and consider all that God has done. How great are his works. How great are his works. And when he does something else, we add it to the list. God created the heavens and the earth. Isn't God good? God delivered Noah out of the flood. Isn't God good? God delivered Lot from the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Isn't God good? God delivered his people out of slavery in Egypt and brought them into a land. Isn't God good? God provided for his people and gave them a king to rule over them righteously. Isn't God good? And you could go on and on and on throughout all of the scriptures in all of the ways that God has shown his faithfulness to us in the way that he judges and destroys the wicked while at the same time carrying his people through. Until you get to Jesus, and in Jesus we find that those who are wicked when they repent and turn to God might be those who are carried through. Not because of the works that they have done, but because of the work that he has done. So Jesus came. And he died on the cross for our sins. And they buried him, and they put him in the grave, and three days later he rose again from the dead and said, I have done it. My work is done. My work is done. And so then I wonder, why is it then that I am stressed? Why am I stressed about the stuff that needs to be done around the house? Who cares if the lawn dies this summer? Who cares if this light switch is on the wrong side of the door? Why am I stressed about these things? 
I need to just take a time to stop and pause and reflect on the work that God has done. And that is why he gives us this Sabbath rest. That's why he gives us this psalm, to give us a time that we can stop and reflect on the work that God has done and remember how good he is, how faithful he is, how steadfast is his love from morning until night. The evil all uh, wicked sprout like grass and all evildoers flourish. They are doomed to destruction forever. But you, O Lord, are on high forever. Isn't that a great contrast? All these people here down below doing these wicked things that seem to be flourishing. And yet we know they are doomed to destruction forever. While God reigns on high forever, forever and ever and evermore. But you, O Lord, are on high forever. Verse 9, for behold, your enemies, O Lord, for behold, your enemies shall perish. All evildoers shall be scattered Lord, I, I know because I look back at the work that you have already done and I'm looking ahead, I can see, I know what's going to happen next. I know what's going to happen next. I can see the pattern. Wicked person does evil things, flourishes for a time, then destruction comes. Wicked person comes, seems to succeed, flourishes for a time. For behold, your enemies, O Lord, for behold, your enemies shall perish. All evildoers shall be scattered. What about you? What about you? Are you going to be among those who are the enemies of God, who will be destroyed and scattered? Or are you going to rejoice in the good works that God has done and be like those in verse 10? But you have exalted my horn like that of a wild ox. You have fresh poured over me fresh oil. My eyes have seen the downfall of my enemies. My ears have heard the doom of my evil assailants. Yep, you raise me up. You lift me up. This is the contrast between those who are evil and those who are righteous. Righteous because they have put their hope in God. Righteous because they have trusted in His great works rather than their own. And for them, he says, it's like you have lifted up my horn like the wild ox like a bull that's strutting around that knows it is a big, strong, massive creature with these big horns. I get to stand up big and strong and tall, not because I'm big and strong, but because my God stands behind me. Because I rejoice in the works that He has done. And so He has anointed us, poured over us fresh oil, my eyes have seen the downfall of my enemies. My ears have heard the doom of my evil assailants. 
There may be times when you feel like I am coming out behind here. There are people that are taking advantage of me. There are people who are against me. And yet we know it will not be that way forever. We already know how this will end. We already know where it's going to go because we have seen the pattern. Even in our own lifetimes, I'm sure that you have seen examples of those who were evil, doing evil things, and flourishing for a time, and then you watched their fall. Yep, they got what was coming to them. They got what was coming to them. And God will not fail to do that every single time. Every time. In fact, as Peter was preaching in the book of Acts, he's preaching to them and he's uh, telling them that God shows no partiality. But everybody from any nation that does what is right and is acceptable to him will be accepted by God. And he says that uh, he was sent to preach, and this is what he was sent to preach. Verse 38. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did in both the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed to be appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness, and everyone who believes in him will receives forgiveness of sins through his name. This is the contrast. This is the contrast. That Jesus has been given to be the judge over all the earth, but to those who will believe in his name, they receive the forgiveness of their sins. And then we, if we go back to Psalm 92, this is what we see for those who have had their sins forgiven, for those who walk in righteousness before God. This is what they experience, verse 12 of, of Psalm 92. The righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. Can you see the difference there between the evil who flourish like grass and the righteous who flourish like cedars? I have trees in my yard. They are not worried about the fact that it didn't rain for four days. And they're not even big cedar trees. They're just little trees. But they are not worried about the fact that it didn't rain for four days. The, the grass starts drying up and browning and dying as soon as it stops getting water. But the trees are strong. They are planted. And here's how they are planted. He says, they flourish like a palm tree. They grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord and they flourish in the courts of our God. This is what I want for you. I want you to be planted, rooted, deep into the courts of God and, and uh, flourishing in His presence. 
That's what I want for you. That you'd be like a tree that was planted right next to a stream where it has plenty of water and its roots go down deep and it's just hanging on and it's just growing and flourishing so that you come and walk and sit in its shade and go, this is such a cool tree. Look at how well this tree is doing. That's what I want for you. And the way that that's going to happen is if you are rooted in God's presence. He says, it's great. They're planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. They do so well there that they still bear fruit in their old age, and they are ever full of sap and are green. They're bearing fruit late into their old age. Why? Because they are rooted in God's presence. They are rooted in God's word. They are rooted in God's courts, in his sanctuary among his people, and they are continually singing his praises and telling of the great things that he has done. They are telling of his steadfast love and faithfulness from morning until evening. This is the way in which God's people bear fruit into their old age. Otherwise, what happens is you start to get older and you start not to be able to dig the trenches and build the fences and rebuild uh, decks and those kinds of things. And then you might start to go, what can I do? I cannot do productive work anymore. And I have talked with people that go, I am now useless because I can no longer produce the work that I used to be able to produce. But for those who are righteous... For those who are living in God's presence as God's people, they bear fruit into their old age because they know and understand that their work is to rest in God's work and proclaim his praises. And I love to see that. I love to see that. I love to be with people like that who have spent years and years rooted in God's presence and are continually bearing his fruit. I love to sit in their presence and talk with them and ask them questions and hear their wisdom and hear them share about the faithfulness and steadfast love of God. It is refreshing to my soul and it is the greatest work that can be done on this earth to praise our God, and to tell of his love and faithfulness. It is the greatest work that can be done on this earth because it continues to add to God's work. Not that we are actually adding to God's work, but we are merely explaining, proclaiming what God has already done. And so he is magnified and his work is magnified and the fruit develops and grows from there. They still bear fruit in their old age. They are ever full of sap and green to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. I have to tell you that as I was studying this, I'd wanted to meditate on this in a way I didn't want to meditate on those Psalms in the late 80s. I mean, as we were getting to Psalm 88 and 89, I was going, oh my goodness, this is going to be a hard summer. And we turned the page 
from book three of the Psalms to book four of the Psalms, and I went, oh, this is going to be a great summer. This is refreshing to my soul. And I hope that for you, you spend time reflecting on, meditating on Psalm 92 this week. That this might be descriptive of you, that you find yourself rooted in God's courts, in His presence, that you would flourish today and tomorrow and forevermore in His presence, bearing fruit late into your old age with the vibrancy of life that comes from having the Holy Spirit within you. Let's pray. Lord, we ask for this. We know that we do not uh, flourish because of our own strength or because of our own work, but we flourish because we are planted in you and by you. And so, Father, I pray for those who are here today that they might be able to rest from their work and put it aside so that they might rejoice in your work. Lord, I pray that you would give us eyes to see the work that is truly important, that we would not stress or worry about the things that are transient and quickly passing away, but that instead we would focus on that which eternally builds your kingdom. And even in that, Lord, that we would not be stressed about our part of it, but that we might rest in your completed work. I pray that as the people here spend time in your presence and spend time in your word, as they spend time in prayer with you and singing your praises, that you would refresh their souls. That they would not be weary that they would not be tired, that they would not be anxious. But Father, that they would flourish spiritually in your presence. That we might rejoice more and more about how great is your steadfast love and faithfulness. And we ask for this, expectant that you will deliver because of the work that you have already done in Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.